1: What's going on, everybody? Welcome into Jack Ramsey's Danny ring Brandon Sprague is a mailbag edition here on Sunday night. And what what time is it now? 7.22? It uh, hey. 7.22.
2: Again. All right. That's 7-ish. I said 7-ish. <laughs> well, you wouldn't shut up. You're a it's big It's
1: true. Popper. I am. I always talk. We, we we don't do a ton of prep before the show. But what we do do is we talk about everything else but the show. That's kind of yes. how that works. Um <laughs> <laughs> thank you all for being here we appreciate you we love you like rate, view, subscribe help us grow the show it is technically five days until the NBA trade deadline by the time you all are watching this on the, or listening to it on the podcast you're watching here on monday morning or monday afternoon it'll be four days away three and a half early because thursday at noon um is what we're looking at gotta check my phone because it keeps going off <laughs> But uh, I hate to actually miss something live. Uh, as we've already had, Kyrie Irving traded from the Brooklyn Nets to the Dallas Mavericks. Uh, I had a reeling suspicion that was going to get done before the deadline. I did not think it was going to get done two days later. <laughs> we'll, <laughs> we'll talk about that. Um, little weird to see that happen right out of the gate, but um, I don't know. Let's, what's, what's your, what are your initial thoughts, reactions to Kyrie kind of breaking the seal on the big-time trade deadline stuff?
2: I think it's important for the league because now the first big domino has fallen. They've they've gotten out in front and they said, hey, we're making a big trade. Here we go. I, I think it's an incredibly risky, maybe, sm- maybe slightly advantageous move for Dallas. But I also think it's too risky for anything I'd ever want to do. And I don't think I would ever trust that individual. For Brooklyn, I get it. Um, We can talk about value of trades because Chris Hayne leaked what the other trade offers were from Phoenix (laughs) and the Lakers. But I kind of get it for Brooklyn's standpoint. You're acquiring draft assets. You're getting some talented role guys. There's a report out there that they want to keep it going with KD. We'll see how KD feels about that. Um, But they know Dallas might not even keep Kyrie. So you get all these assets for a guy who might not even stay with the team you're trading him to. And also, I just think they made this move so quickly because they're done with the crap. They've already gone through this with him before. This came out of left field, according to all his teammates. So, screw him. Get it done. Ship his ass out of here. And I think that's what you kind of saw happen there.
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, there's already a note uh, in The Athletic talking about how Josiah, uh, part of this deal, was to make sure that he didn't go to the Lakers. Uh, sure. For anybody that, doesn't th- or that thinks that everything operates from a purely team-building standpoint and... You know, it's a two K simulation. That would be bullshit. Mm-hmm. Uh, human emotions factor into all this, and everybody who likes to grant that I wouldn't do that. Yeah, you would. Everybody does. You know that that's What here's here's one of the really important things that I've I've learned is that um, everybody has their buttons, no matter what it is. And one of the interesting notes that I've heard uh, around the league this year is that. <clears throat> I, I feel weird even saying this because it sounds like I'm kissing ass and I don't want it to be that. Um, but it matters in that I've had multiple people who I trust in, in those circles all say the same thing. There's a different tenor or a different tone around the Trailblazers now that, that Cronin is in charge. And the gist of it is he's much easier to deal with. And that I think part of that matters. And one of the things that I've heard on the flip side of that is, is nobody wants to deal with the two teams that were kind of left standing here, and that's Phoenix and, and L.A. Nobody likes and or trusts Palenka, and James Jones is kind of hard to deal with. They they don't really make all that many transactions. Uh, they kind of want more than perhaps should be asked, is how I've heard it phrased. Uh, so when Joe Sy is basically like, nah, screw the Lakers, and Kevin Durant wanted to go to the Suns, so why would I send Kyrie to the Suns? Mm-hmm. Why, why do but anybody any favors i think like listen i think it's petty i think it ultimately it'll bite you in the ass and we're probably looking at the third nets owner in the, like the last 10 years uh as both Prokhorov and inside probably you know, prokrov moved on i i don't know if size cut out for this
2: really i'm not i'm not saying you're wrong but i think this particular situation first of all I, I think back all the time, like you're going to roll the dice on a Kyrie KD partnership ten out of ten times, okay? Oh, for sure. But and and they an were answer.
1: going to the Knicks until another stupid owner and Dolan screwed it up. Like that but was that was always where they were going.
2: There, there's there's a part of me that's like I remember the Nets pre KD though. They were fun. They were scrappy. They didn't have a superstar. Yeah, the Dinwiddie
1: and Joe Harris team. Yeah, yes, absolutely. Yes.
2: The Karis Lavert team. Mm-hmm. Those, those teams were fun and scrappy. And I, I sometimes when you're not in a good position, I think to make such a drastic cultural shift from what you are and what you're building to hand everything to two dudes. I think you get blindsided and also you get trust issues that pop up and here you are Kevin Durant, maybe asking for a second trade in as many years. We'll see Kyrie Irving, most untrustworthy pro athlete maybe that exists. And he just out of the blue hits everybody. I hear what you're saying, but there's a part of me that appreciates Joe being a little petty mm-hmm. because that dude effed him out of a lot of money, on There's multiple levels. No, on multiple levels. Yeah. And so, like, I kind of understand the petty here. Is that gonna? Is that fair them well long term? Probably not. Probably not. Or, I, or, or, in the, the short it. term either. But I kind of like you know, I like having an owner in a league. Like, I'm not always pro owner. I'm most of the time pro pro player, unless you're a douchebag, and then I'm kind of like, I'm pro. I'm pro owner, sticking it to an athlete and saying, no, 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 no. I'll play game. I'll play ball. I'm not going to put up with this. Yeah. And so it's petty, but I kind of like it by Josiah.
1: The question I, I asked on Twitter was this. Has any team that's moved on from Kyrie Irving re- re- regretted it? No. Some people were like, mm, maybe the Cavs, they did get swept the next year. And I'm like, yeah, but I think they're in a good place now. And part of like the package they sent out for Donovan Mitchell included
2: the pick that was in the Kyrie Irving trade. Also, they got back to the finals. Like, I'm not gonna act like they were destroyed by Kyrie Irving leaving. Yeah. LeBron was so godlike at that yeah. moment that it and didn't matter. They Boston. The Boston. It's
1: kind of funny. Kyrie leaves Cleveland in the finals. Or uh, Kyrie leaves Cleveland. Cleveland in the finals. Kyrie leaves Boston. Boston in the finals. We're we gonna see the Nets in the finals in the year in too. Like, uh, <laughs> just, just noticing a trend here is all I'm noticing. Uh, but we don't spend the whole time talking about Kyrie. It's just uh, it's an interesting place to start uh, and lead into this Kevin Durant. I have got a ton of questions from everybody about Kevin.
2: There's Durant. A lot of KD stuff. Yeah.
1: If Kevin Durant puts in the request, I would imagine it's already in the works and not public. And then it'll go into the summer and Phoenix is on the list to begin with. And if I had, if I was a betting man, I would bet on Phoenix being the team that acquires him if he does move.
2: And that's, that's an interesting position I think for Katie to take, um, why Phoenix? What about Phoenix right now strikes you as they're ready to win the championship? Playing with Devin Booker? Because you're going to have to trade probably Bridges.
1: I think leverage wise, Ayton. Okay. S- send Paul somewhere else. Okay. In uh, another deal, and you're keeping the core of basically uh, Mikhail, Book, and KD, which that's really good.
2: It's good on paper.
1: Yeah, I would I'm argue not, that's very one,
2: good. I'm not convinced about Devin Booker leadership stuff and Kevin Durant. I don't Durant. think
1: he needs. I don't think either one of them really kind of needs to be the number one.
2: So who's the number one? I just.
1: I think you go and try and get a dog. I think they they circle back to their Jay Crowder type. Like yeah. it, it, your number one doesn't need to be your best player. I'm a firm believer in that.
2: Well, good luck. Good luck to him on that. I don't see <laughs> it. But.
1: I be, I would believe in that trio more than I would. The Harden-Durant-Kyrie trio, just because of the combustion.
2: Sure, body. because of those, yeah, because of yeah. the personality types that you just listed in that. I'd believe more in the Dame-Kevin-Durant duo than I would a Phoenix trio, but that's maybe a biased statement to say.
1: Yeah, and the other part of this is, is um, you know, we'll, we'll talk about Simmons a little bit later because I've had a bunch of people ask about that. Um, but I think
2: they're gonna blow it up now. That's why people are
1: curious. Yeah, no, no, for sure. And I, I I'm a hundred percent on that line of, you know, where are the net gonna nets go from here. Um, everybody had a question about KD, 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 KD. Like, do you throw all in? Like, it depends on what your level of all in for KD would be. But like, I, it, you would have to talk me out of going for KD more than talking me for to going in for KD. Does that make sense?
2: Sure. I mean, but I would assume the players offered in a kd swap are pretty evident
1: yeah i mean you need the necessary salary and you need you need the young guys and the question is could you keep one of them and i think that and i think that that becomes the interesting question
2: from an asset standpoint i mean if brooklyn would allow that then cool but i maybe this is brooklyn's stupidity i don't see why they would
1: I don't either, but I like to think about the idea
2: of. <laughs> oh, I love to think about the idea as well. I'm with you there, 100%.
1: You know, got to figure it out. Uh, shout out to the chat who said that maybe they the Dame-KD-Eubanks trio. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Championship, baby!
1: Uh, but this is a good question I think to get us started completely derailed from, from all the other KD Kyrie stuff we'll, we'll circle back to it here in a little bit but I want to make sure we get as many of your guys' questions in as we can um, this is from It's Kyle at khardos44 perhaps you need a non-trade deadline question I'm going to turn this into a trade deadline question so just keep with me here uh, perhaps you need a non-trade deadline question the Blazers are undersized and slow they play at the 24th slowest pace in the NBA could a lot of the defensive problems be helped by playing faster if you're going to play small ball you got to run the big guys off the court right okay so there's a couple things here that I want to touch on. First of all, yes, they do play slow. But the faster this team has played, the more turnover-prone they've been. And that's that's pretty much normal around the league. The other part of that is the idea of taking that small ball. I don't know if necessarily – like I, how many teams have really stayed big – truly big mm-hmm. when they've gone small like Chicago kind of did with Vooch but it's more about just kind of how that team is built they're just big as hell but Memphis now oh, they didn't have Adam so they couldn't really go super big. they played a lot of Tillman and a lot of or not, not as much as Brandon Clark as I thought of um but the the idea of that playing faster solving the defensive problems, Typically, when you play faster, it can lead to more defensive issues because you have live ball turnovers, because you're putting more possessions in a game. And when you put more possessions in a game, you need to play more defensive possessions.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Typically, slowing things down limits those possessions, but it does amplify the the effectiveness and the worth of each possession. So you got to kind of have to find your value scale.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So I don't know. What, what, what do you think about that in general?
2: Uh, I think the turnover problem with moving fast is what would bother me, but I, I would also say their inability to, uh, slow down transitional hoop, even in playing a slower pace is an obvious problem. I felt like it's been a problem all year for them. Now, sometimes they get caught up when they do the back and forth stuff and they speed it up a little bit, but like still, even now when you slow up the offense their their inability to stop transition points is startling to me how many times in a game do you feel like you see them they get a bucket and it's like two passes the other team's getting an easy layup well Brandon
1: what if i told you that what you're feeling is absolutely real and they are in the 23rd percentile yes. in points given up in transition
2: i yeah well i was looking at cleaning the the glass numbers earlier and I'm just like, okay, good to know, because sometimes my eyes can be deceiving. But the 24th, for
1: for record. Yeah. So th- these are the teams that are worse in transition transition defense.
2: Yeah.
1: Houston, San Antonio, huh? It's weird. It's almost like both those teams play super fast. Hmm. Very interesting. Wizards, 76ers, yeah. not quite as fast. Toronto, their offense is janky. Utah, mm-hmm. pretty quick. Then yeah. the Blazers, and then the Lakers. Then you go to the very top. Bucks, Celtics, Warriors—best transition defenses in the league.
2: Yeah. yeah. Also, pretty damn good defenses in general. Yes, like it, they're buttoned up everywhere defensively. But here's
1: where Portland is okay. Transition defense—they're middle of the pack as far as total possessions, mm-hmm. which is insane considering how much they turn the ball over for a short period of time. Well, not a short period of time. For basically like the month of December. You think about that, and it's kind of like, um, huh. So they did figure something out, or teams had bad luck against them in transition. Mm-hmm. But I, I get what what Kyle's saying here in general. I would like to see them ratchet at the pace when they are playing smaller, and they have the last couple of games. When they've had trended at the five, they have kind of picked things up ever so slightly. Uh, d- 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 but, but 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 real quickly oh, it isn't
2: I think a big part of this too. I mean, we just the elephant in the room is it. We've heard for how many years with Dame teams we're gonna run, we're gonna get out. We Whee! hear it every. We've been we hear that every year since Terry was the coach and Chauncey comes in and we do things differently. It it was the same stuff this offseason. We're gonna get out. We're gonna move. It just and then it's and then they didn't. And uh, it's not who they are. I know the last couple games might be skewing some of those numbers a little bit, but it's not something I'm like putting all the eggs and this is going to keep happening basket.
1: I like that basket. It's going to keep <laughs> happening basket. It's I love, I mean,
2: of. I want to, I need a basket like that.
1: Uh, uh, this from Fuller Hicks at Fuller Hicks. I saw somewhere that Nas has mentioned as a trade partner for Vando. They tripping, right?
2: All right. yeah I um, didn't see this you you told me about a pre-pod I did not see that
1: yeah okay let's let the primer for trade deadline stuff do you know who they are if the answer is no do not take what they say at all it's that simple turn on notifications for the guys that you trust don't get caught by the fake check marks especially now with that Twitter blue nonsense yeah. And more than that, if it's just some rando, don't don't go with it. I don't think there's a world that exists where the Portland Trailblazers would trade, would trade Nasir Little, who just signed a very team friendly deal, four years, 28 million, in a guy that they believe in, and a guy that I think Dame loves having around, who fits exactly kind of the profile of what the organization is looking for for a guy that plays another position who's due for a payday and i love vando Mm -hmm. now would utah possibly put it out there that they would like nasir little on their team yes why because he's good and his contract is great that's why right i mean i don't don't to say beyond that i just i don't I don't know what why portland would do this
2: um because they're desperate for slightly bigger depth but i i'm, I'm just playing devil's well, advocate. while why making their their contract? forward
1: core smaller uh yeah as I far mean, as mean, personnel
2: look, I, you don't gotta argue with me i'm i don't understand that move either um i did not see who put that out but the i think when you get close to the trade deadline you mentioned the the twitter blue thing like I just think the reality is it's pretty easy for everybody to fall for kind of everything they're reading. Yeah. Falling those traps.
1: Yeah. Make sure, like I said, make sure you turn the notifications on. The other part of that is – I'm not talking about me. I'm talking about the newsbreakers. Like that's – go sure. go with them. Don't turn my notifications on. I'll ruin your phone. Um, I I tweet garbage anyways. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, this is the other big elephant in the room. Bruce Caesar Bennett at C's 25. What is the percentage that we'll see Nurk in a Blazers uniform after the deadline? We kind of talked about this the other day. I still feel like it's not... It's not a coin toss, but I, I'm... I believe that the Blazers, if they can find a way that to do something that makes relative sense, they would do it. As an exercise... With the Kyrie Irving trade today, this is where I said I would steer into this. Ben Simmons for Nurk and Hart, and I would say Ben Simmons and one of the better picks they have for Nurk and Hart to take on that deal, would you do it? And does that make sense for you? Because it would hard cap you, basically. You would actually have to make another move because it would be, I want to say, 80000 over if I have the salaries right.
2: I don't know if I would do that deal um it would make more sense to me for ben simmons to go to a place like san antonio than it would a situation like portland and it, it has nothing to do with the assets i know josh and nerf need to go but what does ben simmons and and it, 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 by the way real quick people could hear this and go oh really that's the opinion now like yeah there was a moment where i wanted ben simmons mm-hmm. so what uh i'm allowed to change my mind things
1: change and opinions change
2: And I'm changing. I don't want that. I think it puts him in too tough of a position uh, going forward. And there's a really good shot that if Simmons were to come here and it not be much different than what he's doing in Brooklyn and what he did at the end of Philly, you're trading not even amazing assets, and you somehow might get worse assets and return down the road at the end of the contract. And so, like, it just is a tough spot to put yourself in. And I don't know if Portland might do it, but it would reek of absolute desperation. I don't know mm. if that's a move that would really make a lot of sense for them.
1: You would run up against it. It would be the opposite of what the Dallas Mavericks did with the Christophs Porzingis deal, which was taking Porzingis' big deal and turning him into two smaller ones in Spencer Dinwiddie and Davis Bertons. And we just saw that Spencer Dinwiddie get moved in the deal for Kyrie Irving. And they tried to get the Bertans deal included as well or Tim Hardaway Jr.'s money as well on the way out to get some of their bad money off their books. So, you know, which way do you slice it? Which way do you view it? I just, for me, it was an interesting thought exercise, particularly if you talked about one of the better first round picks that they have. Sure. The risk is Ben Simmons and you still need to find a big and your cap position is certainly frustrating. And you were absolutely in the luxury tax. No ifs, ands, or buts about it with Dame Ben Grant. Um, and Anthony, like that's, oh God, 35, 60, 100, 120, 130 million between those four. But, mm-hmm. but, 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 does that work as salary ballast for a, a move this summer? And does that pick, like if it's a really good pick, does that allow you to if it didn't work if it's a pick further out does it allow you to redirect Ben when he's got one year less on his deal if it didn't work out it's i don't know it, more than anything more than me saying yes or no to it it's more of yeah. a, a interesting thought
2: but i also exercise. you got yeah you got to think of the locker room implications too here yes
1: it's that's not just cut and dry it's not the black
2: and white of this you you could bring in i mean I, I i again i've said in the past you know, roll the dice on DeMarcus Cousins, for example, and there's been like, well, the locker room stuff. And this was years and years ago when he was a king. But, like, there is an element here where this team is kind of balancing 500, sub-500. 500. They want to make the playoffs. And what if you bring in a dude in that has no interest in playing, no interest in giving you everything he's got every night, has interest in easily sitting the minute his knee feels even a little achy, like – I just I wonder what that does to them. And I don't know if that's good for them to finish the year with that kind of momentum and that kind of energy going into what this summer is or could be.
1: That's actually been one of the things I've, I've been impressed with uh, over the last couple of weeks when they were mired in that absolute crap fest. Yeah. Like, I'm not in the locker room right after games, so there's that time period of press conferences and stuff like that, but you have a general sense of how guys are doing mentally, emotionally, when you walk in there, especially when you've been around them all season. Right. And uh, even in a loss, it felt like they were appropriately pissed, frustrated, disappointed, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. They like, there weren't guys like after a loss, like hooting and hollering, music, like they were professional losers in the sense and I I know that's gonna be taken out of context to an extent, but do you understand what I'm saying? Like they had the yeah. right attitude following a loss? Like they were on to the next, no, but
2: I, yes. Yeah. I get what you mean. It's like it's one thing to be pissed and you know that you're stuck, but you're going back to the next game and you're trying to make the corrections and you're giving everything mm-hmm. you got. There's not been a give up. No. It's not a give up. It's it's just it's either out 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 man slash sourced with your lack of size. I mean, Chicago beat them on the boards, right? Mm-hmm. They've had those problems or it's an off night and you're not where you want to be but it's not where they're coming in and you go well no chance in hell they fight and they go on a two-in-one road trip with one of those wins being at memphis it's not a give up factor yet no. whereas i feel like if you acquired the wrong asset into the locker room it's not that i doubt dame's ability as a leader it wouldn't be that it certainly wouldn't be that it would be more the the residual like what's the stink that comes off him and no it's the, it's the residual
1: off? ben simmons sure like, we, we could call it what it is like he has sure. his own particular uh Ou de uh yeah. he's got his own stench
3: yeah and it's
2: <laughs> and sometimes yep. it smells like give up
1: yeah no it does it's real it's real stinky <laughs> it also smells like the money he's counting
2: It'd be really funny to make that an SNL skit, like a Ben Simmons type player where you just like never play and it's Or make a Ben Simmons in. cologne.
1: It stinks. Yeah.
2: Are you, are you walking in the give up? And it's like him with his shirt unbuttoned and the wind's blowing. He's like, the give up.
1: The give up. Available at Macy's.
2: <laughs> are you tired? Are you tired of your marriage? Ben Simmons. The give up. Hates <laughs> H- your job so
1: much that you want to get paid to not go.
2: I give up. I give up. He just walks into the office setting like Terry Tate. Bam.
1: Just sprays it on it all over him. I give
2: up. There's all these girls who are absolutely like awful in society. They're latching on, like, oh, we always give up when we smell Ben. <laughs> I give up. Oh, we're going to hell.
1: Oh god!
2: Oh stop! You could make fun of me like that if I was worth three hundred million dollars in my career. I wouldn't give a shit. It, I mean, yeah, it is. Come on. So,
1: um, the group of everybody in here was like, "Does the Kyrie trade open everything up going forward?" Like, I don't think a lot of the league was wa- was waiting on that. What they're waiting on is Kevin Durant.
2: Sure, that's, that's what, what I'm waiting on. It yeah, yeah the Kyrie is going to move. Let's wait for him to move. It was like, uh, okay, the biggest trade that could have happened right now in the moment happened. Now there's going to be some domino effect to that, you'd imagine.
1: Yes. Um, but it's not like the the big deal that opens up the floodgates, so to speak. If anything, I think there's a couple teams that may be kind of reticent to really do anything along those lines. Uh, simply because the idea of KD being available this summer. Right. If they're getting those signals. Uh, this is Jared Cowley, uh, at Jared Cowley. Ahead of the deadline, what should realic- realistic expectations be for Blazers fans? What would be the difference between a successful trade deadline and an unsuccessful trade deadline for Portland this year? What would you call a successful trade deadline?
2: Uh, trading Hart and and acquiring more depth while uh, maybe bringing in a surprising player that could help them going forward.
1: What's unsuccessful?
2: Uh... Trading Josh Hart for one player.
1: So, just for giggles, Josh Hart for Jake Router. Doesn't do a lot for me. Okay. I think I am I would stand by my line of the... A successful trade deadline would be two players. The, the over on the one and a half. It is no small task for the Blazers if they did it not just transactionally but how often in season outside of last year where they tanked <laughs> it's a bad example are yeah. two starters traded from a starting line, from a lineup
2: not very
1: not in season
2: no the deadline largely doesn't involve a lot of that
1: so for the blazers to make that move again Remember, they came into this year, the only remaining starters were Damon Nurk.
2: But the the only, okay, so to what you just said, though, about the deadline with the starter thing, the only examples I think you'd probably be able to say on a consistent basis in that regard would be teams not highly thought of. It'd be bad teams selling off assets, right?
1: Regularly. The Sacramento Kings, who retool their lineup every single year.
2: And I think that is where Portland would be one of the unique ones there, where record-wise, they're not... They're not near where they want to be, but they're they're a buyer in that sense more than being the seller. I think they're sellers yeah. in those situations, but as a buyer, you don't see that very often. No.
1: Yeah, I think that's that's a that's a good way of putting it. For me, the the unsuccessful part of this would be, I mean, cratering would be nothing.
3: Well, if I, they, mean, if yeah, I were, mean, if they were, if
1: they, like, no, yeah. I'm just like, there's a world where that, like, we we. We need to operate in a world where that option exists.
2: That's a hard world to live in. It's it's it, it, it.
1: Listen, it yeah. sucks. And like for all yeah. the people who are just say that I'm a Joe Cronin lackey, um, I'm telling you right now, if they do nothing, I will not be thrilled. <laughs> to say the least. <laughs> if they come out of this deadline with nothing, yeah. that show at noon, tune into the radio because the dump button will, Jeff Russ better be on top of it. <laughs> that's that's all I'll say. Um, yes. I had I had a quasi-legendary meltdown at Summer League when they signed uh, Evan Turner and Alan Crabb to those deals back-to-back.
2: Those are pretty bad moments.
1: Uh, I was in a room full of 20, 25 media personalities. We were all staying in the same house from ESPN, Yahoo, SB Nation, and then mm-hmm. we had like team executives all in there, too. Like, it was... It was like a house from Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, but with a bunch of blog bros.
2: Mm-hmm. And I i had a full-on meltdown. I mean, nobody faults you for that, though. Just, I think you were reacting in real time the way other people were reacting. Just, yeah.
1: Good times. Huh. So, yeah. My, my cratering is nothing. My bad deadline is doing one. Yes. One move. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that.
2: Yeah. The... And by the way, let me say real quick, if it is a Jay Crowder for Josh, I, I know I'm poo-pooing that. I can't be convinced otherwise. It's not that he won't. I mean, he might help. He'll shoot the ball. The he thing- at least won't shoot the basketball. I just I'm not I'm not a big believer in the dude at this point of his career. Yeah. You know, it's not this ain't Jay Crowder from Cleveland LeBron or Miami the year they went to the finals in the bubble run. Like that was three years ago. He's thirty
1: two. Yeah, he seems like the piece. Yeah, he seems like the piece. Like, he should go to Milwaukee. Yes, he he's a last piece to a title team, and and not in the sense of like the piece that matters the most, but it's the one that you go grab of like down the stretch.
2: Yes, to a Portland team. I don't know if he changes them all that much. Like, I think they're two years away
1: from that team. Yeah, if things go right. Right. Like yeah, like. But here's the thing. I should you know what I shouldn't say that that one deal. One deal would be un- unsuccessful. If the one deal was was swapping out Nurkic, it would be su- successful.
2: Okay, I, I would I would say that as well. But um, yeah, no, I think that's fair. If, if I would want Josh Hart move because then you're losing him for nothing. And I, but again, I guess that would depend on what Joe feels. But you get rid of Nurkic, and that's the move you make. I'll I I won't be the most upset. I'll be happy you at least got that to move on. You got, you got him to move on and you cleared your way of your negative vibes and all that stuff that he's kind of seems to be bringing right now.
1: Okay. Yeah. I I, I think we're, we're, we're in simpatico on, on both of those and the, 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 um, vibes and obviously play on the floor and stylistically which kind of leads me to this uh, at NerdRunner, what do you think about the slide in defensive rating over the last 10-ish games? Does it worry you even if they have to even if they've started winning more? It's bottom two if I remember correctly over the last 10, considering it's a retooling year, one thing I wanted to see is better defense. Okay. This is this is an interesting thing because I have talked to Dame, I have talked to the coaches, I have talked to Ant and I think Nas about this? The idea of Why they can't be good at both, (laughs) offense and defense at the same time? They have not come close. It's either one is really good and the other, the offense is really good, the defense is bad, or the defense is good and the offense is bad. Remember, they start the season with their defense like fourth.
2: Yeah, and their offense was was dog shit. Yeah,
1: like 18th. It was worse. I think it got down like 22nd. But they've, then they've got their offense ramped up, and then their defense sucks. Like It's just this back and forth. For reference, over the last two weeks, what Nerdrunner was saying, their offense has been God-tier. Mm-hmm. 128.5. That's insane. Mm-hmm. The best offense in the NBA right now on the season is Denver at 119. Yeah. That is 10 points per 100 possessions better. That is bonkers. The flip side of this, of course, is the Blazers have the 29th best defense.
2: I thought that was supposed to be fixed with the coaching change. Uh turns out no. But I was sold. Um, I, I mean, I don't know, man. I don't know what. What, what do people want to say? What do, what do you want to say about this? This roster ain't complete. And They've I shown that
1: they can do both, just yeah, not at the not, same know, time.
2: Because, yeah, but see, what what would you what would you wager is more? likely to be consistent with them. It would you would bet on oh, the, the offense. offense. Absolutely. But so, like the defense is it feels like for them the defensive part is just kind of like the right team they played the right teams at the right time type stuff more than it is like philosophy because of its philosophy and it's it's principled scheme like why would you why would you go from being good to that to being got like one of the worst in the league at it.
1: I don't think that it's necessarily the I, I don't think number one, this team can be a great defensive team.
2: I don't think they can either.
1: Do I think they can be good? Yes. I think they can be good in the sense of like 12th to 14th. It's playing small has had its advantages over the last couple of weeks, but it's also had its disadvantages. The flip side of that is for, as it relates to Nurk last couple of weeks, when he was playing more before he got hurt, before uh, he was in and out of the lineup before that, like it, the defense wasn't that much better with him on the floor.
2: I just, I don't think you have enough dogs defensively in your starting lineup. And then yeah. you had the bench, which has kind of been, you know, in flux most of the year with injuries and sit outs and non COVID illnesses. Like, I just think it's a combination of those two. I don't think you have enough defensive dogs on the starting lineup and they haven't really had the depth enough, I think to come off the bench and help them there.
1: Yeah. And that's one of the things I think they're going to end up, um, dealing with, or, or I should say dealing with, um, one of the things they're going to look to address here in the, the trade deadline is the, the ability to have lineups that are a little more structured with that bench group to get more contributions out of on both sides. Because mm-hmm. if you look at, quote-unquote, the bench group, it's kids. It's GP and kids. And I think that's part of what they need to kind of restructure and how they want to go about it, maybe having some guys a little bit more veteran to bolster those things. Sure. That's ultimately, I think, the road that would end up going down. Perhaps. Maybe. I don't know. Um, got a lot of questions about usual targets. Uh, Mo Bamba, Jared Vanderbilt. Uh, I've got a Vanderbilt video. Hopefully, I'll put it out Monday morning. I think that's the plan, depending on how this goes. Um, compressing and finalizing and pushing things out of uh, Adobe is always fun. <laughs> <laughs> I've had more than a few crashes. Um but as it pertains to Vanderbilt, of all the names that Portland has been linked to, that's the one that I would say is the most likely to make it to the finish line. None of the other names are are flagging as, as much. Um, but the thing about the Vanderbilt deal, as, as likely as it may sound, it's still Danny Ainge, and they're still likely going to wait until the last possible second because Danny Ainge, listen, man, is what you want about the guy, good, bad, or otherwise – he gets value,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and how do you how do you get the most value? Is it giving up early or is it waiting to the last possible second?
2: Yeah, you you seep into the desperation. Yeah, and shit, that clock's gonna tick if they don't call in right now.
1: Tick 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 tick. Um, but when it's all said and done, I I do still believe that uh those guys will, or I should say, that guy will end up uh with trailblazers. If I, I uh, if I if I had to pick anybody,
2: yeah, I'd seen something. I think it might have been on NBA TV, it might have been on ESPN. It was somebody basically did the effect of uh, Portland's going to be one of the teams that waits. It's going to be last minute type stuff. They're just trying to sort out who they want to move, and I mean we don't know who they want to move, but like where they want to move them, for what they're going to get back and return, and what makes the most sense for them. It might be one of those. It's 11 a.m. And they want to put all the pieces out. Like if you're playing, what's yes. that, what's that
1: uh, strategy game risk?
2: Sure. I've never played what's
1: it. What's the military strategy one? Different countries. Anyways,
2: uh, risk, risk. Yeah, it is risk. Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. Um, But like you just, you want to have the whole board out in front of you. Sure. You want to see everything that's out there and understand. Because here's the other thing. Cronin cut his teeth on the CBA. So order of operations. Remember, we we hit, I mean, t- remember how many times I said order of operations last year before the CJ deal.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> Why it matters and the different things that you have to consider when going through everything that right. it, that doesn't change here. It, I think it's very much still the same idea of you may not be able. Let's a perfect example. If they if they swapped Nurk for Hart, again, I don't. They're not saying this is this is close to happening or even this has even be discussed. But if they were to swap him for Ben Simmons. They would be hard capped, immediately. So they would, if they were going to do anything, they'd have to do it before that. To end up, if they ended up basically at that number, because it was, I think it's like six point eight million dollars difference between the two, and they're six point seven million dollars away from the hard cap. So, just as a simple mechanism, understanding that, and I think that's exactly it with what you said as far as Portland being one of those teams, being. Waiting till the last second. Um, speaking of timing, I've gotten this question a few times, but I guess I'll give a little bit of a, a non-update update. This is from Givens Nathan. Uh, is there any kind of update on Joseph Winslow's timeline to return to the floor? Um, we talked about this when he first had the injury, right, Brandon? hmm When he rolled that thing, he turned it so sideways, I immediately said, he'll be back after the All-Star break. <laughs> 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 when you turn your leg into a J it's almost always going to be one of two things a fracture or a high ankle sprain
2: mm-hmm.
1: and we saw basically the same thing that happened to Tony Pollard
2: like, yeah it's just that 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 was a break
1: yeah it's it's, it's a being one it of the whole, two things it's a high
2: ankle sprain it's,
1: it, literally I'm... both the same things they're, they're, when your leg when it, when it bends at that spot yeah. Two things happen, and how right, right. that goes. Um, I've seen Justice around. He's been obviously on the bench, but like right before they left the trip, Justice, it was the first time I had seen him in warm-up gear before a game.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Like normally he's just in civilian clothes, chilling, whatever. I just call him civilian clothes, uh, non-team <laughs> apparel.
2: I've noticed you've been using the term civilian lately and I'm like where is this coming from? It's it's
1: it's still there.
2: Yeah. It's still Going back in the, the brain. Yeah.
1: Um but he was standing underneath the hoop like just soft layups. He was not transferring any weight through his legs at all. Like it was very it wasn't like bend the knees and extend it all the way up. It was very uh ginger, I would say. So Um, And that was basically what a week ago. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: I just don't see how he can ramp up and practice in the next two weeks and be, or in the next like week and be ready to go. And why? You have two games this week before the traded line.
2: Yeah, it's kind of pointless.
1: I I don't like. Don't get me wrong; they'd love to have the body back, especially if with Nurk out until the All Star break. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Like, Justice was supposed to be the funky small ball center kind of dude, which they they've already kind of done with GP. Did you notice that the other day? I did. Yeah, they threw GP in baseball was basically the five, and it was um, chaotic and interesting, <laughs> like,
2: for sure. But I like they're experimenting with it. They don't kind of have a choice at this point.
1: I I would. I wish it was against the team that didn't have you know like Vooch and Patrick Williams on the floor, like just big, physical like dudes. Just eh, mm-hmm. that one's tough. Um, but yeah, it's it's they're just kind of in a weird position. Um, from Jeff Burchett uh, at J.D. Burchett, uh, Burchett sorry I don't know which one it is after Friday night can Portland get Mo Obama for, for a Mo Harkless like deal there's a precedent of course a Mo Harkless like deal is a top 55 protected second round pick the lowest protected well, the least protected pick I think you can give out I don't think you can get out a top 59 I could be wrong mm-hmm. uh, it'd be really funny if you had a top 59 protected pick and it was a draft like last year where there's only 59 picks 'Cause there was four of how was it the Sixers got hit with the tampering for that one? Sixers or Bulls? None of them. Anyways. Uh, I think it was the Bulls,
0: yeah.
1: Um. But can I get Momba for that? No, nope. but here's the interesting thing. You can use the Rui Hachimura deal, that trade, as kind of a measuring stick for second draft players. Sure. Um, Bamba was a year later, right? Because he was at the 2018. Yeah, so he would have been 2019. Rui was, I think, was 2018. Um, could you get Bomba for a slightly better player than Kendrick Nunn and two seconds? Probably.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: So it's not exactly a Mo Harkless like deal, but look, man, Kendrick like Nunn.
2: Would Keon and two seconds get it done? I think
1: Keon in two seconds gets quite a bit done around the NBA right about now for, like, that kind of player. Right. And I I would imagine that if a deal was done for Jared Vanderbilt, it would be at least via squint, a close relative of that.
2: The weird thing would be to go from Obama, that's the deal you get, but you somehow strike out on Nurk.
1: Yeah, which way you go down the stretch. And, like,
2: I... I'll be honest with you, man. Right now, I want to play Bamba and Eubanks more than I'd want to play Nurkic. Just to
1: see what you got, because you know what you got in the other one.
2: Yeah, I know what one is, and I know what another one has been, and I know he's dealing with back stuff now uh, after the Chicago game. But, yeah, instinctually, I'd want to go Bamba and Eubanks more than i want to go balancing Nurkic with Bamba.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I think so, too. It's hard to envision the team actually doing that.
2: I don't think they would. I'm just like, imagine, though, if that's what it costs. And, like, Joe's in a position where he goes, yeah, why why not give the shot to the guy that would beat up Austin Rivers and see what he's like. And, like, KOC wrote about this. And his note on Mobamba. Mobamba could be of interest to the Blazers. His note is, but he's never been in a winning context. And I'm like, I'm sure there's a little more to it than just that. But... To that point, he has never been in a spot where maybe he loves playing with Dame and Ant and rolling and getting dunks all over the place and stretching the floor a little bit.
1: Having more more than one guard who can handle the ball?
2: Yeah. I, I, like I'm not trying to keep him from, like, he's been Mr. Perfect in Orlando hasn't worked no. out. I'm sure he's got his faults and his blame. But, like, also, he's still, what, 23? Yes. He's 23 years old. Like, let him come See what it's like to play. Same here. same
1: draft as Gary and Ant.
2: I and now he's a shooter. So it's like, yeah, I could understand Joe's want of trying that out. Yeah, I mean, again,
1: at the cost, it makes sense. Yeah. Um I, I want to make sure we talk about the uh the recent run. They've been obviously two and one on the road trip, three of the last four they've won. Memphis being the, the best best one of the season, but this is from uh, at Bob Brad, uh, at Bob Bradstreet, um, because I've gotten some form of this in, in a lot. Uh, so I'm curious why Chauncey has such a reluctance to shorten Hart's role in the lineup when he's obviously struggling offensively, especially in the fourth quarter. But will he pull? But he will pull Sharp immediately after a missed defensive assignment in the fourth quarter. Number one, he's not pulling Shaden Sharp after one missed assignment. Mm-hmm. He's pulling Shaden Sharp after multiple. Um chauncey has talked about at length about how he lets shaden play through things because how are you is i think his exact line before they went on the road trip was how are you supposed to learn if i just keep yanking you mm-hmm. how can you play through it he goes even the best guys make mistakes you've got to learn to like make your mistakes and, and play through them um but why he will pull him in a fourth quarter is because he doesn't trust him and he shouldn't he's a rookie there, you know how many rookies I trust ever maybe won a class maybe there's plenty of classes that I don't trust that I didn't trust any of the rookies like I don't trust Paolo right do you
2: uh <laughs>
1: I'm a big Paolo guy. I mean, but he was he was just three of fourteen. He was awful down the stretch.
2: Yeah, hey, you know what? He played this shitty
1: situation. Right? Yeah, again, okay, again, but like, do I trust him? Most no. rookies,
2: to your point, no. No, no, no. no. It's not that Paolo Banquiro is gonna single-handedly lead. If I'm no. in a situation where I need him,
1: eh, listen, him. I love the magic. I love Paolo. Like I think that yeah. team's gonna be tremendous. But like, if you're asking me, do I trust them?
2: No. How many I don't rookies trust him? play the game? How many rookies you've trusted?
1: That's what I'm saying. Like, Braun
2: yep luca. zion luca see you trust. that's interesting you trust zion it's like it I was l- it.
1: less about like it, nothing but injuries was the only thing i yeah. didn't trust
2: no for sure i know he's duncan obviously that goes duncan to us. yeah like you talk about generational guys but even like kobe
1: hell no kobe it was air, he air-balled it he six was seven points a game in the playoffs
2: or in yeah, his rookie yeah. year and his rookie, it was seven no. points yeah, a game. He nothing. Remember the Utah game, Ugh. three straight air balls. It was like, yo, shit. Cooked. Can you player. imagine if
1: that happened in t- on today's social no. media?
2: No. He would
1: never play again.
2: I mean, Jordan's admittedly said this. He's like, I, I would have been wrecked if Twitter was around. When I
1: Just fried. Oh, um, man. Like, did I trust rookie Dane? Like, mostly because I had to, but no. But that's, yeah, that's like, my pink.
2: Van Carroll thing would
1: be yeah like they weren't supposed to be good guys like they were eh. i like at the end of games in that rookie year hey hey dame get get that ball to lamarcus all right man yeah <laughs> like that i'll be honest because i'm gonna trust the all nba guy right like, over the rookie like it's just that's how it's gonna go but um as it pertains to heart I have mentioned this. I mentioned this when they went out on the road trip. I am going to ask Johnson why nasir is not seeing more
2: minutes. I can't wait for that. They play the Bucks tomorrow, oh. and I will monitor the minutes. He, I'm gonna tell
1: you right now, he's gonna play more minutes because that Giannis dude needs to see like physical coverage.
2: He needs, yeah. He needs also,
1: also Middleton's back. Yeah. So I have a hard time seeing how Nas and GP don't play minutes. But um, yes, Hart has an issue. And the thing about heart is he has heart. <laughs> Shoot me in the face. Uh, he doesn't like the, the effort doesn't wane, but mm-hmm. it does impact his game. When with the way his shot is right now, uh, I was going to do a side-by-side of his jumper just to like show how different they are, but I just haven't had time. Um, but going off of it, his release time is a disaster right now. And he's actually kind of got a quasi hitch in his jumper. So he's record scratching on the dip, and then he's actually got a hitch on the way down. He's shooting on the way down with a hitch. Like there's three new things in his shot. Yeah. And that's just blech as a recipe for disaster. He is, he's not quite Ben Simmonsing it because he's still letting it go. That's the difference. It's not like this full mental block, but man, does it feel like it's going to be there real quick.
2: Yeah. Well, I, I think the I, – I watched – I went back and watched Chicago because I was coaching my daughter's team. And, um, you know, it hurt, to, it hurt to coach the first loss of the season for our team and then go and watch them the DVR, your favorite
1: team. You're, you're over there cutting losses into your chest.
2: Dude, I didn't think I'd care about <laughs> fifth grade girls basketball. And here I am. I'm like, I want to make them run <laughs> – Running gassers. Run it's just like, what are we doing here? Let's rebound. Let's uh. get the ball back in the hoop. But – there were a couple possessions in that game too, especially when they – look, it came down to kind of winning time there. They they, they weren't great. Dame was good the first half. Ant got it going late. They got it. They pressed him. They got close. And I'm watching Josh pass up shots there, and it just – I like this guy a lot. It sucks to say this, but he just seems to kind of be in his own head from behind the line. He doesn't want to be the guy to take that shot. He wants anybody else to take it. And I, I it's hard I think it's hard to gain offensive consistency when you can't consistently rely on somebody yeah. to kind of play the role that it seems like they should be Look, playing offense.
1: I saw him getting lucked off. The there's, teams don't
2: they don't respect it. They know No, I'm talking about his own guys. Sure.
1: I, I can think distinctly of two possessions in the Chicago game where the passer stopped.
2: Why would I pass you the ball if I know you're not gonna do the right thing with it?
1: Or even if I know that you're going to shoot it, I know you don't. I know you don't trust your shot
2: right now. You already think that's you already think about the rebounding part yeah. of that. Yeah.
1: Or you're going to stop it and attack a closeout, in the and the spacing's complete dog shit right now.
2: Yeah. To Damon
1: Ants credit, they are still hitting him more often than not, but they had the lineup of Eubanks and Hard on the floor at the same time in the Chicago game,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and it was just untenable. Like, they just could not do it. And that's why you saw when Trendon came in, things kind of changed because of his playmaking, because he's got a little more offensive juice. Even though he doesn't have, like, a long record of threes, he's just – his mobility and passing kind of unlocks some stuff uh, that Drew can't do. Uh, But they're Westbrooking Hart at this point. Yeah. They were playing four on five. They were shrinking the floor entirely. The night before in Memphis – or, I'm sorry, uh, in Washington – They ran a box and one on Anthony Simons. (laughs) He got so hot. They were like, yeah, well, yeah, we really don't need to worry about anybody else. We're going to make sure that we have Anthony Simons completely covered. And it's you can do that when you just don't have the requisite shooting on the floor, Mm because if you do. That's the issue, right? um, I genuinely hope Josh figures it out. I, I hope it's not. I hope it's just something stupid that he's not comfortable in his role or, you know, the, the trade speculation or, you know, some, these guys have
2: lives. And sometimes too, like, you know, if he ends up getting moved and he starts hitting threes, I'm not going to be that surprised. Sometimes it's about like, Hey, yo, all right, that's done. Move on to the next. And you need a couple shots go down you get confidence back. Yeah.
1: Um, This from Jonathan Jonathan Evers at Johnny Evers 3. Given what you said about neither Vando nor Grant being particularly viable the 3, who would you think would start the position, and how would you see those minutes breaking down if we trade Hart and Vando as the primary player we get back? I don't think that one-for-one transaction is taking place. I mean, it can't in the CBA. But beyond that, yes, I believe Jeremy is more one of the few guys in the league that's kind of purely a 4. There's a few of those guys in the league where I'm like,
2: yeah, he's a 4. That's, yeah, well, but we had people. We had some people in the question saying like, "Hey, move him to three and yeah. open it up this way." Or you could
1: try some freaky, weird lineups and, and run him at the five. But then sure. you struggle with rebounding, da, 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 yeah. all those things. Um, but I do believe Vando is more four-five. Like he's like Jeremy is what I call an apex wing. Vando's a big.
2: Vando's running center if he gets traded. Yes,
1: or. like or or a, a, a super big lineup where he's you know a four and Jeremy's sure. five. Sure. Uh, Nas at three kind of a situation. Or, I'm sorry, I'm getting guys mixed up here. Um, with uh, Vando at the four, like if they got a five, like a Mo Bamba. Right. Like a stretch five. Right. Um,
2: then it just more becomes positionless basketball. You're just playing the strengths of what not, different players can do. Not for- necessarily
1: positionless, but like less position groups. It's not point guard, shooting guard, two different forwards in a, in a big. Right. It's
2: like... But if you play Vando with Mo Obama, for example, you know Mo's going to probably be more... easier pick-and-pop
1: guy, and your yeah. Vando's going to play in the middle. But, like, that's, again, it's stylistically, it's it's kind of that lineup would be, like, two primary ball handlers, a wing, and two bigs, which would mm-hmm. be untraditional. Right. And, well, I'd say it's more traditional, but untraditional for this era of basketball. Uh, but as far as, like, who would start at the three, I would expect that, as of right now, it would be a Nasir Little. I don't know if Josh Hartz moves in another deal. For I don't know, like an Isaac Okoro type, I would imagine Okoro would then be your starting three,
3: mm-hmm.
1: and then Nas would be your primary kind of wing off the bench. Your 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 bench would be at that point in time.
2: Sharp GP Nas, Vando and Vando.
1: Vando, yeah, and GP, yeah. yeah. Which this isn't bad. Is I that mean, a is that a better place for you to be in? I think so.
2: I think it's better than what they're currently dealing with, yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. And this is kind of a follow-up question that kind of relates from Craig, at, Craig and Spock, or and Spotch, uh, at Spock089. Uh, we need size. Please tell me we will make a move this week. I think it's kind of what we've been signaling that they're doing, right? Like, even if they swapped Hart for Crowder, Crowder's bigger than, like, Crowder is a three. Yeah, Not he's like a
2: legit 6'8", right? 6'7",
1: but, like, he's big. Yeah. He's like he's big, he's big as hell. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, there's no, there's no denying what he is, right? And the idea of him, like we talked about it, it feels like he's the guy that's the last guy you add to that that title team, but he's also cheaper. And perhaps that's what you're looking for if you're gonna to try to swing Jeremy for more money in the offseason, and then you have things lined up contractually going forward and he's an asset you can flip. I don't there's a lot of different things there. But I think your two options if you're trading Josh Hart are the seer or the field. The field being if they bring in another wing with Josh Hart's contract,
2: right? Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree with that. So um
1: it's just, I don't know, it's... here we go. Um, I think it's an interesting place for them to obviously look at because they've they've addressed three positions right now. One, two, and four. Mm-hmm. Three and five are in flux. What you do with five doesn't really matter everywhere else. What you do with three does. Because yeah. they haven't had a way to... They haven't had a way at that. They haven't had anybody at that three spot that made sense since Batum.
2: It's been, it, I, I would argue it's easily been their biggest weak spot as a franchise. It was the four until they filled it with Jeremy. Sure. But. See, I, I look, Jeremy has been probably the best four if you're not counting Lamar. Well, if you're counting Lamarcus as a five, which, you know, he kind was of wasn't in there, but, um, I just feel like it's such an important position in the sport that it's like to not. There's a part of me too, like when you look around the league and you see teams that are succeeding. Obviously, certain guys are carrying franchises, right? Mm-hmm. Like having a Giannis can make up for a lot of spots that you're missing, and you can just kind of fill in the blanks and it, it plugs and plays and it works. Mm-hmm. Not having a valuable three, like a truly good-sized thing, I've been chasing. Three. It just kills you. It almost It's almost the equivalent to me of you got the quarterback, you got some receivers, you can't find your offensive lineman. You need the tackle. Like, you need a spot mm-hmm. that's really important that can carry you. If you were to get an NFL team that has a lot of pieces and they have an okay to mediocre to not great left tackle, it's going to be a big hole. And it feels like it's been a big hole for this franchise.
1: Since 2015.
2: Since LaMarcus left.
1: Yeah. So... That's the thing is, I think they've identified one with Jeremy. Now can they go get the guy three? And I think that's actually a good parallel to draw because everybody's like, well, what if you lose Nurk and, you know, you've got to get better to, to lose him in all these situations. Where was Robin Lopez of that sliding scale?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Or did he, just, did he just fit a role?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Like, they've got Dame, they've got Ant, they've got Jeremy, that's if you can get a three in there that rises above replacement level. And that's the thing is they've kind of skipped. Like, Mo Harkless wasn't even re- replacement level.
2: No, that was just like, yo, run of the mill. We have a guy. Anybody can kind of You have a
1: physical him. profile. Yeah, there, there's yeah. nobody around the league. You could have looked at every other starting three and been like, would you take this guy? It's like, yeah. <laughs> Didn't have to think about that one. We could, I don't mean that as like slanderous to Mo. But he he wasn't.
2: It is he, what it is. Yeah, he when
1: he left here, he wasn't like you know burn things up anywhere else. Like and it's we didn't just, really
2: hear a whole lot of his name. Yeah. No,
1: so they made do with what they had, and that's I think it's much easier in today's NBA. It's either you have a star type player or near star at the five,
2: mm-hmm. or
1: you get a guy that is that knows a role. Passable. Yep. And I think that makes it a little. Easier to digest and understand is if you look back at what this team has kind of been. Uh this from uh Jake and we'll end on this one. Jake, uh at Jake and Aussies, your projection for a starting layup at playoff time. Most likely player to surprise on the upside in the back half of the season who's most likely to fall off. This is this is this is bold of Jake. He's presuming yeah, playoffs.
2: Yeah, I like that. I I we need to all be there. Cause I need this team to make the playoffs. <laughs> um I think we Claire. all made money on it. Player most likely to fall off and player most likely to step up. Basically, yeah. That's the question. Back half of the season. Um I'll say player to most likely step up. And I'm I'm gonna ride a recency bias here. And by the way, this could age like absolute milk in the mm. dead of a summer's day. Because I don't know what the trade deadline is gonna bring now. I'm gonna say most surprising trend in Watford. Ooh. T Watt. I I really like what I've seen for him. Mm -hmm. I thought that was a great road trip from him. And look, some of this, he's playing out of necessity. They kind of need somebody like him out there because of where they're currently at with their depth, with their size. But I think, I think he's kind of showing Chauncey some stuff that translates to more playing time. Anyway, he doesn't need to be your biggest dude out there. And he's serviceable enough in spurts. I think where they can get away, where he can play kind of a Draymond role. But an ability to actually maybe shoot a three here and there, and I I I'm just going to go out on a limb and somebody who's not playing a whole lot but now is getting some minutes, I'll say Trendon, guy who's going to fall off. I kind of hate that question, personally. Mm-hmm. Um, God damn it, I hate that. It, Drew. Okay. That'll and be- I think some of that again is via trade, and he's again now dealing with some back injuries. So, interestingly enough,
1: over the last five games, Trenton Watford and Josh Hart are both averaging the same amount of points, 10.8, making four and a half shots a game. Mm-hmm. Trenton's shooting 68-100-100 from the field. <laughs> I, think he's, I think he's six for his last six from three, mm-hmm. which is really useful. Uh, three rebounds, three assists. difference there is that Josh Hart, it being the vacuum cleaner that he is, is averaging nine boards. But I think you're seeing Watford filling some of the Josh Hart role as far as playmaking, uh, and I think it's a very, very good spot to start uh, for both sides of it. Like both being the most likely to be successful or the most likely to fail, because mm-hmm. he has the least amount of experience in that role. I- I'm gonna cheat on the upside and say Shaden. Okay. Get some, he- get some, get some legs back underneath him. Like no- okay. nobody recuperates like young people, right? Nineteen right. year old getting two weeks off. Right. That man is going to come back, uh, dunk dunk contest champion. Yep. He's going to come back. And he, uh, listen, there's something about Shaden Sharp that when he does something good, he's like a puppy, and he gets all kinds of confidence. Right. What happens if he does something cool like win a dunk contest? Does he come back yeah. a little bit of swagger? I'll tell you right now, really? Anthony Simons came back feeling awful good about that. It was yes, one of those things did. like, oh, you know what? It is the dunk contest, but I just won that shit. Yeah. And listen, man, confidence is such a big part of this. Um. I'm gonna maybe go outside the box here. Most player most likely to fall off. It's Damian Lillard. <laughs> Only because he's been so How unbelievably good. He How is How dare you literally on his best run of his career.
2: How dare you do that to the saint that just, is Damian Lillard? The
1: fall off is gonna go from There is no uh, fall off Danny. Literal, Danny. He's gonna... literal MVP candidate to no, to, no. to demigod.
2: The the, the forty points He's gonna continue to average 40 a game. The eight the 40 points, eight assists, and seven rebounds. That is completely sustainable on sixty-five (laughs) percent from the field, thirty-nine from three, and ninety-two from the free throw line. How dare you throw that out there? How dare you? Do
1: you know what he's averaging over his last 10 now?
2: I it's it's probably really stupid.
1: 37, 8, and 5.
2: Jesus. Those are the best numbers of his life
1: on 51 40 96
2: oh my god and he's
1: taking 11 and a half free throws a
2: game what splits what aggressiveness what efficiency he's the highest he's the best efficiency player in nba history just at
1: ab- like what he is doing right now is just absolutely absurd
2: so that's and why. not a, and not a day goes by that i'm not grateful that it's at least on my television right so um, how dare you say that i'll be blocked you on twitter <laughs> You just find out tonight, blocked on Twitter. You're like, "Wow!" Send a message. Come well, on, come on, man. Hey, man, this is uh, not what it
1: seems. <laughs> um, but yeah, like he's just been so good. Yeah. Like it's one. It's not only just like the be- his best run. It's like an all time run. It genuinely is. He's 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 doing something nobody's ever done like in this franchise's history as far as scoring. Oh, yeah. He he is just on a level of heater that's, even for him, is nuts. Yep. So um, that would be the guy I think is most likely to, to regress at all. Well, and I think this was, we'll wrap on this one. Because um, this is like, we don't think we've touched on this really at all. Uh, from Josh Emtash at Emtaj Emtaj Josh. Uh, I'm butchering names at this point. What is Dirk's trade value? As someone who has been on the team been on team move him for as long as I can remember. It's hard for me to put much value on him or see him or see any team around the league really valuing valuing him. How do outsiders view him? It's not a positive asset. No. But there is value to the teams that are... It's a very narrow needle of thread. Teams that have cap space or want to have a contract on the books at that level and who yeah. also wouldn't mind a... Big that they can toss out there and mostly count on mm-hmm. in the sense of like doing the things that need to be done to a successful enough level that you can just kind of get through it. Right. Like, I know it's not a ringing endorsement, but like those are the teams that you're looking at. Would a on Johnson need to be attached? Would you have to do a bigger deal with Josh Hart and balance out the value or something along those lines? probably probably to get back what you want but the flip side of it is for all of that well they don't have value there are guys on other teams who you would think are maybe more valuable than Yusuf Nurkic that behind the scenes they just want him out the door yeah that's how the Blazers got Yusuf Nurkic mm-hmm. <laughs> you can have this first round pick but you have to take Nurk
2: yeah that was the afterthought. Everybody was like, yo, did we get happy about that draft pick? And then he was like, Yusuf Nurkic, and you're like, I don't know how to feel about that guy. There were a lot of people that felt that way about that.
1: So, um, but is it Russell Westbrook? No. No, it's not that bad.
2: It's not like hey, longer. say say what you want. Dude's been traded like four times since he signed <laughs> that contract.
1: But again, that's my oh. point. No contract sure. is like untradeable. Right. So, I don't know. It's... I, th- I think it's better than what people think it is. Yeah. If that makes sense. Like, is it great? No. Is it good? No. Is it meh? Maybe. Maybe a little under meh. But I think there's probably 20 meh deals in the league. Two thirds of the league have a deal that's probably like, oh, yeah. like this. The LA Clippers have one, and, and Norm Powell he was just here so um but as far as value wise like it's not the most toxic thing but you do probably need not probably you do need to include something with him probably to get a return that you want or you have to be willing to take somebody else's i don't want to say garbage because nobody's it's not anybody's garbage if you don't want to take somebody else's poor fit or uh fresh start
2: I have uh, not much to add. I think you summed it up. I've said how I feel about it. I think it's a negative asset, but hopefully they can find the right spot for it. All you need is one sucker. Exactly. That's all it takes.
1: All right. Um, appreciate y'all being here. Like, rate, view, subscribe. Help us grow the show. Uh, thank you all very much. We'll have you covered over the next couple of days. Obviously, we have the watch party. Or not the watch party. I'll, uh, I'll be uh, at the game uh, Monday and Wednesday. Wednesday, no Steph Curry, obviously, because of his injury.
2: Yeah, um, that was a bummer.
1: Yeah, definitely kind of wanted to see him here. It's always fun. Um, the flip side is, it eh, works out better for Portland. It's uh, a good chance, uh, yeah. yeah. The Warriors are a team that have not been good on the road, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, we will have a show probably Tuesday in between the games uh, as, a, as a primer. Uh, and then regardless of what happens, I shouldn't say that, 98% certainty following the Warriors game, all doing after dark, leading into the trade deadline the next morning. Uh, And then we will be, I will be live uh, from noon to three on Danny and Dusty uh, Mm -hmm. with my co-host Dusty Harrow right as the trade deadline closes. uh, And we will crush um, nothing but NBA trade deadline stuff on the Thursday before the Super Bowl because my co-host will be tied up in the corner.
2: (laughs) Oh. (laughs) Tell me what you're into.
1: Yeah, you know, we don't kink shame here. (laughs) Um but again, thank you all so, 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 so very much. I appreciate you. We love you. You can find us on social media at Danny Moring, at Brandon Break, at Jack Ramsey. You can email the show, gmail.com. Again, like, rate, review, subscribe. Help us go to the show. Click a little thumbs up. Uh, it helps us out uh, in the almighty algorithm. Uh, you got anything else to add?
2: No, I think we're ready to go. It's going to be a busy week. Obviously, we got a couple games here, but uh, I'd imagine Thursday we'll also have a, a, a Ramsey's for you yes, at some point. We will have a, recap a, a deadline well. wrap-up. There's, there's going to be too much of us to hear this week, but we yes. ask that you listen to all of it. Yes.
1: Uh, <laughs> we will be around. And then post-deadline, uh, if you remember from uh, the interview we had with Joe Cronin before the season, uh, he told us he would come back um, post-deadline, and I have, I have confirmed that. So we will have Joe, maybe not the day after the deadline, but uh, sure. post-deadline, uh, we will have him on the show. So There you go. Uh, other than that, uh, everybody else have a wonderful night, and we'll talk soon. Mm, bye.